Welcome back to Amy Lunaland. I'm going to give you a gold star for continuing to pursue the art of the smart heart. We need more people like you. Now, as you're incorporating these new concepts into your life, there may be a little bit of resistance. So let me tell you about what I call the Tarzan effect. Tarzan, when he's swinging through the jungle, he's holding onto a vine and he swings forward and then he reaches and grabs the next vine. And there is this split second in time when he lets go of the previous vine and he grabs onto the next vine when he is not holding on to anything. He is just hanging in space above a jungle full of all kinds of things. Poisonous snakes. Who knows? We don't know. But he doesn't want to fall into it. That is what it is like when we decide that we want to move into a different paradigm. That we want to shift the way that we see and be in the world into something new and better. You have to let go of the vine behind you. And you have to get comfortable with that void when you've let go of the past, but you haven't yet integrated the future. Being willing to take that leap of faith is how we keep moving forward through the jungle. sometimes people refer to this in terms of competency, that we have unconscious incompetency, which means we're not doing something well, but we're not aware that we're not doing it well. Then somebody points out to us, well, this is what's problematic about what you're doing. So then you have conscious incompetency. Now you know that you're not doing something as effectively as you could be. But then you learn the new skill. And then you have conscious competency. Now you're consciously being competent. And when you practice that enough, then you become unconsciously competent, meaning it just comes natural to you. So I've been a teacher for many, many years. And I know that the hardest part for a student is conscious incompetency. If you're unconsciously incompetent, you don't know what you don't know. You're just skipping through life, thinking you're doing well. And then, of course, once you become consciously competent, then you're competent. So the hard part is that place where you are consciously incompetent. And you combine that with the Tarzan effect, you're holding on to nothing above a jungle full of snakes. So you combine this feeling of disorientation with this feeling of inadequacy. <laughs> and you can see why there are a lot of people that say, no, no, I don't want to go there. I'm just going to hang out in my little paradigm that I was born in and just muddle through with that. Growth and moving forward individually and collectively means being able to say things aren't working. Being comfortable with being in that limbo and also forgiving ourselves. 
I deal with so much drama for my students. People always ask me, what is the biggest obstacle to succeeding as a student? And I say, it's not the curriculum. It's not what you're trying to learn. It's the students themselves because they bring so much drama to the table about what they don't know. I love teaching students that completely accept, I don't know what I don't know. Tell me, I'm coming to you to tell me what I don't know. And there's no shame around what they don't know. Sometimes when people are around me and I'm speaking intelligently, they feel like shameful, like I don't know what she knows. And I think to myself, why? Don't put that on me. I'm not shaming you. Why would you know something that you don't know? (laughs) If you never had anyone teach something to you or you never thought to ask a question, there's no shame in not knowing something. Now, there's a shame in thinking you know it all. We should be inquisitive and, and curious. But the point is, seek out good teachers. And they'll tell you what you don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you what you don't know. <laughs> so look, folks, your journey can be easy or your journey can be hard. And a big part of that is how you make it. If you accept, I don't know what I don't know. And you get comfortable just hanging out in space with no vines to hold on to. If you can get comfortable with that, you're going to be just fine and super competent. So I want to teach today about kindness. We don't like to see more kindness in the world, no? I would. I love kindness. I'm kind of a kindness addict. I love being kind, and I love when people are kind to me. But I see a lot of what I term non-consensual kindness in the world that I think overall moves us backwards, not forwards. So let me explain. Every action that someone takes has an intent and an effect. Now, the intent comes from the person taking the action. The effect is the perspective of the person receiving the action. Is it wrong going with this? (laughs) So a lot of people have the intent to be kind, but the effect is not helpful. So I did a little research on kindness, what people are saying about kindness, what people are writing about kindness. And here's one example. People say things like, kindness is an honest, heartfelt expression. That it's a thought, word, or act that is motivated by a desire to help. That's one definition that I read. Now notice what's problematic about that. Because it's only looking at kindness from the intent and the feeling of the person giving the kindness, not receiving a kindness. It's an honest, heartfelt expression. What can be an honest, heartfelt expression? It's really toxic (laughs) to the other person. A thought word or an act that's motivated by a desire to help. You could be motivated by a desire to help and actually not be helping. Okay, so here's an example. Here's how I learned this in my own life, very painfully. Because I had my eye on this guy who, yeah, I still think very fondly of him. Anyway, so one time we're sitting and he's eating an apple. And there's a sticker on the apple. You know how apples have a sticker. And I said, 
oh, you should take the sticker off. You're going to eat the sticker. And he was like, no, that's okay. And I reached over and I took the sticker off of his apple. And when I did this, I saw this man's expression change. And I knew that if there was ever any chance of this man viewing me as a good person to be in a relationship with, it just went out the window. And he said to me, well, I like to keep the sticker on the apple because then it lets me know where the glue from the sticker is because I don't like to ingest the glue. <laughs> Boy, did I feel like an idiot because I was an idiot. I mean, I was... He had a perfectly reasonable explanation for why he did not want me to take the sticker off. And I just thought there was one truth. And that is, oh my gosh, you're going to unconsciously bite into this sticker and eat the sticker. But what I did was I took away his sense of agency. I actually bullied him. I didn't listen to his desire. To his perspective, to his way of being in the world. And then once I took that sticker off, he didn't know where the glue was because he didn't see where the sticker was. So now I just led him into a toxic effect because now he had to either stop eating the apple or ingest the glue. <laughs> people will say to me, Amy Luna, how am I supposed to know what people want? I can't read people's minds. And I have a very simple two-word answer to that question, which is just ask. Just ask. Just ask. It's one little extra step before you do the kindness. That is consensual kindness. So I could have said, may I take the sticker off your apple for you? It's a question. Kindness should be a question. It's asking, is there a problem? Do you need help? Because if kindness is offering assistance, we need to first determine that assistance is required. <laughs> Otherwise, if we jump in and rescue people before they need to be rescued, this is not a good thing. Again, you're taking away that person's agency and you're also infantilizing them because you're saying, I'm assuming that you need my assistance. I didn't ask if you needed my assistance. I just decided to ride in on my white horse to save the day. Woo! Or not the hero. What? You didn't like that kindness? Well, I won't bother next time. I've actually had people say that to me. <laughs> okay, well, if you don't have complete control over how you extend your kindness, then you're going to pick up your marbles and go home. Okay, fine. Because I really don't need that type of kindness. Because it's not really kindness, is it? It's control. And it's wanting the person doing the act to want to feel good about themselves. Kindness does make you feel good about yourself. 
yeah, I feel good about myself when I do something kind. But I also want to make sure that the other person feels good. My intent is to create a good feeling in the person. But did I? Or if the person has a reaction that I didn't intend, they react differently, then do I need to gaslight that person? Oh, okay, well, you're just too sensitive, or you misinterpreted me, or I got to walk on eggshells around you from now on. Woof. <laughs> it could just be a simple situation of the apple sticker. So we get situations like this. One person with good intentions hands a bouquet of flowers to another person, expecting them to go, thank you, and graciously receive them. But the other person instead goes, oh, whoa, no thank you. And so the first person thinks, why are you hating on the flowers? (laughs) And it may just be because to the other person, what you think is a bouquet of flowers is something quite different. They may even be feeling it as you infantilizing them or taking away their agency. So when they have that type of a negative response, they're actually responding to something they're perceiving very differently. And that response might be absolutely appropriate from their point of view. If you offer a person a kindness and they refuse... Be very gracious about that refusal. In fact, that's another place where you can say, thanks for letting me know. Because we should be normalizing this idea of people telling us their truth. I actually learned something about the apple sticker because I hadn't thought of that before. (laughs) And now I actually, I will cut out the part of the peel with the apple sticker because he taught me something I didn't know. So you're going through your day, you see an opportunity to provide a kindness, you ask if the person would like that kindness, may I fill in the blank? And the person says, oh, certainly. And then you perform your kindness. Or the person says, no, thank you. In which case you say, thanks for letting me know. And you may even learn something. That's how your world is expanded because you're not walking through life in this survival mode of it's threatening if people don't accept my kindness. It means something bad about me or bad about them. No, I offer kindness and I accept a no thank you. So what we have is this epidemic of people that are being told, be kind, be kind, we need more kindness. So they're running around like, how can I be kind? How can I be kind? How can I be kind? And if kindness is helping people, then in order to keep generating kindness, you have to keep seeing helplessness. You have to keep seeing problems that you need to fix. (laughs) People are always jumping in to fix imagined problems that I do not have because since I practice the art of the smart heart, I am highly competent. So there is this assumption that there is a problem when there is no problem. Like I do not have a problem. 
don't have a problem now, to quote Eckhart Tolle. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, thanks, right, yeah. But I don't like to be an enabler. I like to be truthful. So I'll say, yeah, no, I did not need. I don't want to normalize people infantilizing other people without asking them. So I'll say, no, I'm, I didn't have a problem. I don't have that problem. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to find some other way to rescue people without asking. <laughs> go ask another person that's going to go, oh, thank you, when they didn't have a problem to help you save face. Oh, see the layers of this cultural dysfunction? When the answer is so simple, just ask the person. So we have this epidemic of people being overly kind. And then I think we have people reacting to that by being underkind. <laughs> like, I'm not doing anything for anyone. Somebody said a no thank you to one of your kindnesses. And so you said, well, I'm never going to be kind to you again. I won't bother next time. <laughs> When part of the art of the smart art is finding the point of balance. Are you seeing the theme here? It's like the Goldilocks kindness. Not too much, not too little. Just right. And you just have to ask. That's how you'll know. Now, there is a time and a place for rescuing if someone is literally in danger of their lives in that immediate moment, yes, you can jump in without asking. If somebody is about to step in front of a bus, you can yank them out from in front of the bus. It's a possibility they might have done that intentionally, but that is a reasonable situation in which you can act without asking. And if the person says, yeah, I meant to step out in front of that bus, you can say, oh, okay, well, my bad. But do you want to talk about that? Which is another act of consensual kindness. Would you like to talk to someone about what's going on with you? I'm here to listen. And let me tell you, when you offer kindness in this kind of way, it works like magic. People love being asked. And also, if you ask and someone says no, and you say, totally fine with me. They love that too. It builds so much trust because that person feels, oh, this is a safe person to be around. They're not going to be jumping in and imagining problems that aren't there. They're going to respect my competency. They're going to respect my agency and they're going to respect my boundaries if I say no. I love that. I love when people do that with me. And when I do that with other people, they have a very, very positive response to it. So try that. Just yesterday, I was at the Morton Arboretum. Here we have this glorious, gorgeous arboretum. And there was a couple of women. The arboretum right now has these eight sculptures all over the arboretum. So you have to hike to get to all of them. And I was at one. They had visited all eight of them that day. And it was the last one. And we started chatting. 
And they mentioned that they were not looking forward to hiking all the way back to the parking lot. And I said, well, I'm going right by there. Would you like a ride? And they said, yes, absolutely. We'd love a ride. Now, one of the women you could tell was about to say, no, that's okay. <laughs> and her friend was like, no, we definitely. We... And I asked them how, how, how far they'd hiked. And they said eight miles. That's a, you know, that's a good sized hike in one day to do in one day. And they'd done it in four hours. And she said, we also want to get on the road before rush hour on the freeway to get back home. So that was a bouquet of flowers to them. But one of the women was not going to accept what was a bouquet for her. So kindness is also about allowing ourselves to accept help when we need help. If somebody offers me something, I don't play this like, oh, no, that's okay game. If it's something I want, I say, yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. But if I offer that bouquet to someone, and it is a bouquet, and they're going to say no, I just let them say no. Okay, well, you missed out on a bouquet. But that woman's friend was not missing out on that bouquet. <laughs> she wanted the ride. be thinking, is non-consensual kindness really that bad of a thing? I would say, yes, it is, because you're teaching people to see problems where there are no problems. And also, some problems should not be rescued. Why? Well, the Native Americans have a wonderful concept to illustrate this, and they call it medicine. A person's challenges are their medicine. Spirit is giving them medicine to develop competency. When there's people that are just completely uncomfortable if there's any challenge going on in the room and they have to jump in and rescue that challenge, what you're doing is you're taking away that person's medicine. You're not letting them figure out on their own how to solve that problem. You're teaching them learned helplessness by jumping in and rescuing them. And that can be very challenging to do when you are watching someone, especially someone you care about, struggle. It can be challenging to not jump in and want to relieve that struggle. But again, unless that person is in a life-threatening situation, step off. Just watch. You can say, would you like some help there? But again, you're asking. No, no, I got it. Okay, great. Sometimes I'll say, I have an idea that might help you here. And then I teach them how to help themselves. Why don't you fill in the blank instead of let me do that? Oh, thanks. That's a great idea. I'll try that. And then they develop competency. So we work together to create a world in which we don't see problems everywhere and we create competency. See how that works? So yesterday it was the fall equinox and I was at the Arboretum because I was partaking in a fall equinox guided hike with a retired science teacher who gave us a lot of amazing information about the equinox and its effects on the earth and the animals and the plants. And it was just, just fascinating. 
why the leaves change color, why animals migrate or scavenge or sleep during the winter. Equinox means equal night, meaning the day and the night are exactly equal. 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of night. But he said if you look on your weather app, for example, and you look at the time of the sunrise and the sunset, it won't be exactly 12 hours. And there's a reason for that. It's because of the curvature of the earth. The light is bent. So that when we see the sun right at the horizon, whether it's the sunrise or the sunset, the sun is actually not there. It's slightly below the horizon. So when we see the sunrise, the sun is actually slightly below the horizon. So it's about, I think he said, four minutes until the sun will actually rise. So when you're seeing the sun rising, it's not really there. And same thing with the sunset. When you see the sun setting, it's already gone. But when you look at your weather app, it gives you the times of what we can see, which isn't even reality. It's our reality from our perspective because of that bent light. One of the strongest metaphors for something we're absolutely certain of is when the sun rises, the sun will rise. <laughs> There's few certainties in life. But one of them is that the sun will rise. Well, the sun will rise, but not when you think it does. As you're on this path of crafting the art of the smart heart, get comfortable with the Tarzan effect and your own conscious incompetency. That will make your life a lot easier. And when you want to be kind to other people, realize that intent is separate from effect. And just ask so that you'll know what the effect of your intent will be. Be gracious about accepting a no. I don't want that kindness. And learn to distinguish being kind from rescuing because you are uncomfortable with a challenge that's going on. Because when you jump in and rescue people's challenges, you take away their medicine. And also, get comfortable with receiving kindnesses. If someone compliments me, which happens a lot. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But if somebody compliments me, you know, because I'm always wearing my art, and so people are often complimenting my art, and I don't do that, oh, it's nothing, minimizing what they just, you know, that's like throwing a kindness back in someone's face when someone compliments you. Oh, no, 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 no. It's like, I just handed you a bouquet of flowers, and you just said, oh, no, I don't, I don't need those flowers. No, no, no. Shh. <laughs> when someone compliments me, I'll say, that's very kind of you. Or, how kind of you to say so? Because a compliment is a kindness. Get out there and flood that world out there with consensual kindness. And leave the rescuing at the door. And remember, 
make choices for voices of intelligence and heart. Till next time.